Blog Talk Radio. Happy to welcome the live audience and those of you who will be listening in the future to the Frontier Beyond Fear Blog Talk Radio Program. Currently broadcasting live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And today is April 3rd, 2021. And I felt that we've handled some heavy lifting, so to speak, recently. All of us. There is a lot of heavy lifting in the world right now. And from the perspective of a soul on a journey, that heavy lifting is intended to help us grow. And it is about the choices that we make and what we are learning about being more authentic and honest on our paths, being more empathic, compassionate, and in the ways that we encounter every day in everyday life. We We are guided right now to simply do our best as imperfect human beings that we are. And in fact, I have decided to include a poem today, which I will be reading shortly how I found this poem. This is from a very famous poet, or actually author, um, and um, he has an interesting life. And I found it, I didn't open to it immediately, but rather quickly, I did. I wasn't looking for it specifically, I just opened to this poem that I will be reading in a moment. Hope. It's something that is always with us, no matter what. I know that the pandemic and everything that has been occurring has led to unexpected things for many people. And hope is so very important. I will say that many of us can attest, and this is often true in the spiritual community, but also whether you're spiritual or not, overtly, everyone can attest to some challenge, some loss, some disappointment that then led down a different path. 
And that path never would have existed for you or for any of us if not for the challenge that we experienced. So today, on this beautiful spring day, if you're in a place where it is spring, and no doubt a beautiful fall day, wherever you are, nature is always beautiful. And that in itself provides inspiration and hope. I have an orchid here with me. I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, an expert on orchids. Both orchids I have were gifts. And I have since learned that they are rather challenging to take care of, and I know I have done it wrong several times. However, this one orchid is blossoming a second time, or had started blossoming earlier in the year. Just all of a sudden, even though I thought I was doing everything wrong with it, and it hadn't blossomed since um, 2018, that was the last time. And, you know, I steadily just keep it going along with the other one, which also hasn't blossomed since 2018, and it's still unblossomed. So I've been enjoying these little blossoms on this orchid. Well, then, I don't know, I guess a week or so ago, maybe a little more, I noticed there were some new buds. And maybe I've talked about this orchid before. I think I might have a little. But there are these new buds. And I thought, wow, because I always think I'm either underwatering it, which they say you don't want to overwater it. But now, you know, I've learned you can underwater, you can overwater You can do just about everything wrong with an orchid. (laughs) And a lot of people never see them blossom again after they get it. Often you do get it as a gift. So here it's got these new buds on it. And after I watered it on Tuesday, I noticed the blossoms that were there, all four of them are wilting. They had started to wilt. I thought, oh, no, I didn't think I gave it that much water. Then it dawned on me, because this was a couple days after Tuesday, I noticed that I thought, well, maybe I didn't give it enough. Maybe I gave it too much. So I gave it a little more, thinking, well, maybe that's what it needs. But whatever I do, those four blossoms now are seriously wilting and are about to fall out. And, And I did then look and saw that, well, a lot of times blossoms only last you know, a couple months, which is rather amazing in itself. And so what I've decided is, wow, look at this new flower, which just opened up. A new flower has opened of the buds, and the old ones are falling off. And they haven't fallen off yet. I'll let them fall off naturally. But what a lesson there is in this little orchid, which I actually moved right in front of me where I sit, because it brings me happiness throughout the day. And I look forward to planting some flowers soon, which also bring me joy. Um, Last year, I I was given a gift of a dahlia, and it was so beautiful. It was just a tiny little thing when it was gifted to me on Mother's Day. And I put it outside, and because it wasn't doing well, I thought, well, maybe it needs to go outside. And I planted it, and it was amazing how it took off. It loved the sun that it was getting in the spot that I put it. Well, I would have loved for that dahlia 
to last forever. But, of course, they don't. And eventually it got too cold, and one night it was as if it was frozen in time, the dahlia, because it had actually frozen in the night, but the flowers were right there, upright. You could It looked alive. And yet, when it warmed up again, soon they drooped and fell. And for whatever reason, I didn't pull it out for quite a while, not until just within, a, I don't know, the last six weeks or so. I just moved the pot away in the corner, and I wasn't really paying attention. But every once in a while, I would look at it, and I would still see what remained of that flower because it still had an existence to it in a way. And I remembered how much joy it had given me, and I remembered how it was frozen in time, and I just didn't want to to let it go. But eventually I did because I'm going to be planting something new in that pot again, and so I cleared it away along with all the other flowers that I needed to clear that had um, that are annuals. We have many lessons to learn from nature, and those lessons can give us hope. I have many, many concerns about our world, about society, about um, nature itself, how we live in partnership, with nature, how we sustain ourselves and still live in partnership with nature, which is a real problem um, as to can we continue with our way of life. And the industrial world is needed to support such a vast population, and there are plenty of things to be afraid of, which... I won't even begin to list. Just go to my blog. I've had some days where I've reflected on those things and even in past programs. But there are all kinds of naturally occurring phenomenon. Fine, I'll mention it. From the sun, you know, to near-Earth objects and just things we can't know. Even, you know, what if a more severe disease comes about sometime? Now that we've we've seen... Um, what a pandemic could do. Well, what if it was polio? What if it, you know, was even more severe and we didn't know what to do? And you can worry and worry and worry. And also about the current situation, wherever you are with that. And if there's been loss, it's very difficult. And even as we go forward, it can be a very difficult path. And yet, we are called to hope. I will not be reading this particular poem, but meaningful for me many years ago during my own spiritual awakening, um, which um, actually springtime is a time when many feel a spiritual awakening. And this was in the spring, and um, hope springs eternal is a line that many of us has heard. That's from Alexander Pope. I will not be reading the entire poem or that poem at all, but um, it does. There's a point to that. And when you have a spiritual life and a spiritual knowing, you know that any difficulty that you encounter is temporary. No difficulty lasts. 
by the same token, it's often true in human life that no brings us happiness lasts, although our memory of it can last. You know, it may sound kind of, you know, why did I leave that plant without pulling it out? But you know, the funny thing was, it wasn't totally sad. There was a poignancy to it, but it also still, the memory of it brought me joy. I just wasn't ready. And it, you, you, that's also important. A lot of people will say, just rip it out. You know, if you've had some grief, some loss, something people say, just move on. Just rip it out and get going. Listen to your own heart. Listen to your own heart. Because although this particular plant wasn't able to do it, I've seen cases where I thought a flower would never come back. And yet it did. Hope springs eternal. doesn't always come back in the same way. And for some reason, I needed to be reminded of how those blossoms seem to endure even when frozen in time one night. It gave me a kind of inspiration I can't quite put in words. Sometimes what you think something is will change and shift and grow in a different way. There are so many ways to still be hopeful. Now I am going to read the poem that I was clearly led to because I am not familiar with this poem. Um, I've had, you know, some amount of education, certainly, even in the humanities. And when I was younger, I was I tended to be much more knowledgeable, truthfully. And as I've said on this program, um, I feel that at any age, and many of us, I can't claim to have been, you know, if I had been, if I had majored in the humanities for four years, I did study the humanities throughout my college education and had actually thought about majoring in the humanities, but ended up in the sciences. Um, It's always approachable to us. I am so appreciating having gotten this book, several books, off a used bookshelf which are filled with things to discover. There's something pretty wondrous about a book, and I love that they're hardcover because they're old. They're not super old, but they've been around a while. And um, I can they have a certain sturdiness to them. And they're large, these books. And I'm reading about the lives of the people through the lens of their writing. And there's also a write-up around each writer. And yes, it came from the time in which it was written. And we have the ability to, um, to view these things within their time, even while knowing that, um, you know, society continues to to grow and we all choose to be those of us who so choose and I'm sure many who are listening to this program feel this way we choose to be accepting and empathic and in the and we're continually led because what is the divine the ultimate source of any hope it's unconditional love 
And let's not forget what unconditional means. That's not conditional love. It's unconditional love. And that means that we know that we are all imperfect human beings. Our human journey wasn't meant to be perfect. We wouldn't be here if it was meant to be perfect. We wouldn't learn a thing. We wouldn't learn from other people. And so we are all journeying here together, doing our best. Don Miguel Ruiz was very influential on my early path as well. And he always says to do your best. And that best will change at different times. On any given day or hour, your best is going to change. But you just do your best to do your best, even when you think you're not doing your best. That's the irony of it. So while the live show is still active, and I appreciate those of you listening live, and I appreciate that Blog Talk Radio continues to support this program by placing it on its main page while live, um, let's talk about this poem that I opened to. The writer is Samuel Taylor Coleridge, and he lived between 1772 in 1834, he's a British writer, and many of you have probably heard of some of his works, although in some ways his name may not be as familiar to some of you as other famous poets. Um, the book that I'm reading describes him as a brilliant failure, and when you read about his life, even though he had some amazing writing successes, they didn't really materialize in his life and he felt like a failure and reading the context around this poem that he wrote in 1802 dejection and ode and don't worry it won't be so depressing i'm reading a hopeful part he felt that he was losing touch with his talents and he had previously this this poem was written in 1802, and it's written as a letter, and he also had unattainable love in his life that was disappointing him. And he was very at a point of a lot of disappointment and thinking he wasn't going to be able to produce in the way that he had. He had written Kubla Khan, which was truthfully a drug-induced dream that became a poem, sadly, as can be the case with many in the current world, addiction was the problem that he struggled with, um, and um, he he was addicted to opiates in his day, and he struggled with that for years, and people helped him later in his life. Um, someone helped and, and even took care of him and tried to help him with that, and apparently with some success. But there are lessons to be learned in the lives of the past because they've encountered similar challenges. He he had trouble in school. He dropped in and out. He fell into debt. He had business failures. He had you know things that he started to enter into that didn't work. And he really was brilliant. And yet in life he felt like he wasn't much of a success. So he so Kubla Khan, by the way, Xanadu. If you've ever heard of that. It starts with a, a line involving Xanadu, and it was based on a dream, and no, we're not reading that today. But also, the rhyme of the ancient mariner is quite well known. I'm sure we all read it in high school. 
And that came, those two came very close together between 1797 and 1798. And here we find him in 1802 feeling heartbroken. He had um, a lot of trouble um, in his personal life. And he also felt like he was not successful or couldn't continue to be successful as a writer. In the first line that I'm going to read, this is in mid-poem I'm reading this, he refers to the word genial. And I want to be clear that the definition for genial is actually creative. So when you hear genial in the first line, it's actually creative, not what you would typically think of. Um, Here we go. This is from Dejection and Ode, just part of this poem written by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. My genial spirits fail, and what can these avail to lift the smothering weight from off my breast? It were a vain endeavor, though I should gaze forever on that green light that lingers in the west. I may not hope from outward forms to win the passion and the life whose fountains are within. O lady, we receive but what we give, and in our life alone does nature live. Ours is her wedding garment, ours her shroud, and would we aught behold of higher worth than that inanimate cold world allowed To the poor, loveless, ever-anxious crowd. Ah, from the soul itself must issue forth a light, a glory, a fair, luminous cloud enveloping the earth. And from the soul itself must there be sent a sweet and potent voice of its own birth, of all sweet sounds, the life and element. O pure of heart, thou needst not ask of me what this strong music in the soul may be, what and wherein it does exist. This light, this glory, this fair luminous mist, this beautiful and beauty-making power, joy, virtuous lady, joy that ne'er was given, Save to the pure and in their purest hour, life and life's effluence cloud at once and shower. Joy, lady, is the spirit and the power which wedding nature to us gives in dower a new earth and a new heaven undreamt of by the sensual and the proud. Joy is the sweet voice Joy, the luminous cloud, we in ourselves rejoice, and thence flows all that charms, or ear, or sight, all melodies, the echoes of that voice, all colors, a suffusion from that light. I think I'll read just a little bit more. I was going to stop there, but let's continue. There was a time when, though my path was rough, 
this joy within me dallied with distress, and all misfortunes were but as the stuff whence fancy made me dream of happiness. For hope grew round me like the twining vine, and fruits and foliage, foliage, I can never say that word, (laughs) but my own, seemed mine. But now afflictions bow me down to earth, nor care I that they rob me of my mirth. But, oh, each visitation suspends that nature, gave me at my birth my shaping spirit of imagination. For not to think of what I needs must feel, but to, to, but to be still and patient all I can. And haply by abstruse research to steal from my own nature all the natural man. This was my sole resource, my only plan, till that which suits a part infects the whole and now is almost grown the habit of my soul. Okay, I won't read any more. This is from Samuel Taylor. Taylor. See, that's my challenge is pronunciation. I laugh about it. It's sometimes pronunciations elude me. Samuel Taylor Coleridge from Dejection and Ode, which he wrote in 1802, and he had a lot of heartbreak and difficulties in life, but also amazing success. He is considered an extremely successful writer. And, you know, beyond his life, we certainly remember him. And if we don't remember who he is, almost every one of us has encountered something that he's written um, just in, in class. So let's see how we're doing on time. Ah, getting close to the end of the... 30-minute program. This goes by fast, and today I'm not going to go too far over, I, I don't think. Um, but um, we can learn from everyone who has lived, from their imperfections, from how they strove to get beyond them, from the things they struggled with, because it's interesting how these things repeat And it's also interesting how people wake up. And sometimes when an awakening is occurring, you barely open your eyes. Maybe your eyes are still closed and you're hearing the birds outside, but, you know, you're not really awake. I've been concerned um, in certain areas where, you know, you're in the city. There aren't enough birds anymore, by the way. This makes me concerned. And they do say that that birds are dying and that we don't have as many birds. Like when I was young, in the 70s, when I was a child, there were so many things around. And we've spoken of this before. What was it like even 100 years before me? I mean, this would seem like a wasteland compared to that. So we can get really dejected if we allow it. But look at how... And maybe you can feel it in my voice. Yes, I have concerns. Yes, we are called to be more in many ways. And we are called to be honest about that too. I think one of my greatest concerns right now is um, 
just how dishonest things have become and that that doesn't serve us. And one of the ways you can unravel dejection can often be looking beyond just the simple things that you're told and research those things. And often you'll find it's not as bad as you think and that it depends on how you look at something. You know, authenticity and honesty isn't just about direct facts. It's about how you present facts and what facts are you choose to present. And so that's one way. In some ways, it might make you feel more concerned, truthfully. But there is always hope and joy. I take tremendous joy in this little flower. We've all been through difficulties. And thank you, live audience. I know that you're leaving us here in um, within the minute. And I appreciate those of you who are here live, just as I appreciate those listening across time. And I especially am so happy that people worldwide are listening. That just touches my heart. And though I may not have an understanding of what it's like where you are, and I speak from my perspective, know that I reach out to you in friendship and empathy. And and I hope that you find hope no matter what you're facing, which could be very difficult. I know. So thank you, live audience. I'll continue briefly in the archives, but not too long today. We have the ability within our spirits to find that peace that passes understanding. That's another term that's come up before on this program. What does that mean? It means that logically there may be difficulties, but we see beyond them and we feel differently. Do we feel that way every second? No, nobody does. Look at how when Mother Teresa talks about her life, a lot of people were surprised that she doubted a bunch of things. She was questioning things. She had dejection. You know what? She was a human being, and of course she would. Look at all the hardship that she observed, and she probably felt more helpless than we realized. And yet from another perspective, it looked like she was just doing amazing things. And in a way, this writer and so many people who um, have some visibility in history, and really many that even do not, They had successes in their lives, and yet they had difficulties, and they had doubts, and they had heartbreaks, and yes, they had addictions, many of them. I think there's a lot to be learned, truthfully, from the 1800s, Um, just how many people, late 1700s, 1800s, and certainly other times, no doubt, um, how people struggle with addiction, and then that's revisited us in a different way, revisited our society. And it helps to read of someone who's working to find hope, even as they're feeling down, in another time. Because then you realize, you know, 
this has been a part of the human experience a very long time, and no doubt incredibly harsh things, far harsher. Well, I can't say that, truthfully. To those listening worldwide, I can't know what you're facing. Those of you listening, it could be every bit as harsh as what people have faced in the harshest parts of history, depending on where you are and what's happening. And wherever we are where it's not like that, it's our responsibility to care about one another enough to not allow going down that downward spiral because it can happen in human history and it never leads to a good good place. History has taught us that. So what does hope teach us? To look higher, to look for another future. You know, this notion of a new heaven and a new earth that's come up. Or in, in this poem, he says it in reverse, a new earth and a new heaven. What can that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. I mean, many spiritual traditions have a very miraculous definition of that. And But it can also mean new life, the new blossom that's blossoming on my orchid right now, even as the old are fading. But for us to move forward productively and compassionately, truly, we need to be listening to one another and we need to care about truth. We need to care about truth deeply. And we need to think about what it's like to walk in another person's shoes. And that can be in multiple ways. It's surprising who faces hardship that you wouldn't expect. And it's surprising who is incredibly joyous and feels abundant in their lives when you might think that's impossible. You know, this person has nothing. How could they be happy? And yet there is happiness to be found and there is dejection to be found on many paths. Spirituality has been a tremendous gift to me. That feeling of knowing that we are loved and that we are inseparable from an omnipresent, loving, divine and that we're a part of that divine, even while the greater part of it has its distinctness. That's an interesting point. And I learned my spirituality through quite a journey, through multiple traditions. That notion that you are special and beloved, no matter what you're going through, no matter who you are, no matter what you feel has been your failings. You are special and can aim for more. And we can all help one another in the ways that we can. And just because someone seems rich on the surface, that doesn't mean they're rich in spirit or joy There's a lot of starkness in the world right now. This one line in the poem, which I'm truthfully discovering for the first time, having opened to it, um, so I'm looking at it at the same time as you. 
there's the line, see if I can find it. He talks about that inanimate, cold world and the poor, loveless, ever-anxious crowd. Poor doesn't necessarily mean poor. It can mean poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Where life is just empty and stark. We have so much more that we can do within humanity. I will continue to firmly believe and to know that spirituality is a vital, vital component of our path forward. We've seen that which is possible. It doesn't matter if someone dismisses it. I feel badly for them, truthfully, because I wish they could discover the gifts that are available to every single one of us. Only a spiritually awakened humanity will truly move forward. That's what I truly believe. Not, And I'm not talking about stark exclusion here. I'm talking about being aware of that love which binds us all together. I'm going to draw this to a close now. Um, I wish all of you all the joys on your path in the days ahead that you can find and all the hope. And I will be back here next week, if all goes as planned, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, just like today. I continue to blog. I kind of almost gave up on daily blogging. I was getting a bit frustrating about frustrated about authenticity and free expression and how it feels empty sometimes when we can't go to the depth that we would like because the world we live in isn't very accepting these days but I kind of push past that and I'll write when so-called and so far it is daily. And you'll find all of these things on FrontierBeyondFear.com And again, thank you for being here today. I will see you next Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Mm-hmm.